independent news, analysis, cultural, and public affairs programming. You are essential in keeping that information flowing and KPFA on the air. Invest today. Become a member or an ally as a monthly sustainer. Online today at kpfa.org. And we promise to stay as vigilant as always. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of sight this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. It's October the 24th, 2017. The beat goes on. <laughs> Last night, I found myself watching the elephant man. I don't know why. I just, I just, I never had the guts to watch it before because I'm afraid of grotesque, uh, grotesque human deformities, whatever, I I just thought, you know, John Hurt died not long ago, and I just thought it might be uh, fun to see what he did with that part, and I think, I think when I first saw, when I first saw some of it, I never did finish watching it the first time around, I thought it was a maudlin, sentimental, Victorian, a Victorian weeper, you know, uh, uh, and I thought, it's unrealistic to expect a person who is raised in a cage to be a kind and loving human being, you know. Uh, you know, he <laughs> he's just not real. Anne Bancroft plays the actress, Mrs. Kendall, and she comes to visit him. And uh, he immediately, well, he, what is it, he weeps. When women are good to him and say kind things to him, and uh, I just, I just didn't know, uh, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe the secret is that uh, those Dickensian Victorians, the the people who um, went into not just uh, sentiment but sentimentality. Uh, Maybe they were doing it for a reason. Maybe they had a social agenda. Maybe they were trying to uh, help the society. You know, Charlotte Bronte says, nothing refines like affection. Uh, I, uh, I got a kick out of the scenes. The queen comes to see 
comes to meet this guy. John Merrick was his name. And uh, it's, oh, it's a funny, funny movie. Uh, Wendy Heller plays the older woman nurse. I always like her. Uh, What I got to thinking about, though, was why it is we reject sentiment, sentimentality, sweetness and light, as Matthew Arnold used to say. Uh, I I got to thinking maybe this sort of story is good for us. Uh, I mean, maybe ideal humanity is worth the portrayal. Uh, I mean, if it can be imagined, well, then it can happen. Well, perhaps not for very long, but in today's coarse, cruel world, is it not worth a go? I mean, we might try to create wiser, kinder human behavior by showing it. Let the children watch. When I was a kid, I went to all those uh, Hollywood pictures. You remember they had the, uh, uh, what do we call that, uh... Judeo-Christian values, you know. Uh, Jimmy Cagney always, uh, <laughs> always uh, straightened out. You know, I remember the scene. Remember Jimmy Cagney going in to be executed, and his uh, his old friend, uh, his uh, you know, his good half, says to him, "Don't, don't um, be a hero. Don't show these street kids." Um, uh, that you're uh, heroic in the face of death. And, uh, of course, Jimmy Cagney would have been, even as a criminal, he would have been uh, <laughs> a number one hero. And when he gets to the last the last few steps, the, the long walk down the corridor, you see his face change, and he does. He he cracks and becomes a whimpering, sniveling, wretched fool, terrified of what's going to happen to him. And I thought, that is about as maudlin as it gets. Uh, of course, today, we still, well, we still uh, try to believe that, uh, you know, the the good guys are the strong guys. Uh I, I don't know. I don't... I just... I haven't figured it out. What I think today is that we've gone too far in one direction. That is to say, uh, we decided to do what the guys call push the envelope and show uh, the very worst things that human beings are capable of. Rub our noses in it, so to speak. Wallow in sadomasochism. Uh... When I was growing up, that was the thing to do. Every play or film, you know, work of art was supposed to uh, tear off another veil, you know. Supposed to get down to brass tacks. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe it's time to swing back in the other direction because each age, you know, has a master narrative. And, uh, you know... uh, we do act out what we see, the stories. Uh, now, the essence of the world today, <laughs> never mind, never mind. I don't even want to talk about the white lash. But the fact is, uh, history has done us, done us in. And uh, I keep waiting, 
Well, they say that, you know, fiction is a lie that tells the truth. And I'm waiting for the artist to figure out how to deal with this situation, the task, the task of the artist. Uh, They have to show us how to struggle, help us to see, to warn us, keep us from despair. Uh, I think the 21st century is overdue for a big dose of sentiment. Uh, When John Merrick, the elephant man, lies down to die, he chooses the right moment. Uh, he, He actually, if he lies down flat, he will... Uh, smother to death, I guess that's the way it is, but uh, so there's no violence, but he returns from a night at the theater and decides it's time to check out. Uh, but he has seen this incredible beauty uh, for the first time, you know. Uh, Kendall, the actress, Mrs. Kendall, tells him that the theater, the theater is romance, it is beauty, it's everything that uh, human beings are capable of. Uh, Anyway, I always think the main thing is the music, folks, the music. (laughs) Yes, the music. I I wanted to bring them, uh, let's see, Bellini's Norma in with me today, play Costa Diva. That's my absolute favorite, you know, for scenes where people die in beauty. The fact is that I've already wasted one-third of my time. For shame, for shame. I've got to stop with the exposition. What I wanted to do was persuade you that it's still worth our time to read the old romantic poets, the ones who believed in love. Uh, So I brought Edna St. Vincent Millay, dear old Edna Millay, the ultimate romantic. Some people think that she's out of date. I don't think so. I think she has an edge, God knows. (laughs) She has a line here. I love it. It's the beginning of a little chapter. Um, They quote Edna Millay in this biography. She writes, it's a letter to a friend. She says, I will love you always, no matter what party is in power. (laughs) Obviously, we've got to stop breaking up over our uh, what is that, our our beliefs our left wing right wing arguments anyway, I'm going to hop into Malay's sonnets, I'm just going to do it because I think that she has a lot of terrific poems about uh, well, let's call it mankind's destiny Uh, where do we go from here boys this is Yes, the sonnet I like to use in history classes. Yes, she writes, Read history, so learn your place in time. And go to sleep, all this was done before. We do it better, fouling every shore. We disinfect, we do not probe the crime. Our engines plunge into the seas. They climb above our atmosphere. We grow not more profound as we approach the ocean's floor. Our flight is lofty. 
It is not sublime. Yet long ago this earth by struggling men was scuffed, was scraped by mouths that bubbled mud, and will be so again and yet again until we trace our poison to its bud and root and there uproot it. Until then, earth will be warmed each winter by man's blood. That's a sonnet from Edna St. Vincent Millay in her collection, Mind the Harvest. And uh, uh, Edna Millay died in 1950, so she's the first half of the 20th century. Yes. <laughs> yes. She was a Greenwich Village bohemian. Many, many terrific uh Terrific romances, love affairs. Uh, I think maybe I should get her biography out and uh, use some of that. She she was kind of poor, and she got a rich lady to send her to Vassar, but never mind. Uh, she managed to be a national icon while she lived. I went to visit her house once. Uh, it's called Steepletop. It's in upstate New York. That's a long story. I'll save that. So, here's another sonnet about history. I love it. Read history, thus learn how small a space you may inhabit. Nor inhabit long in crowding cosmos in that confined place. Work boldly. Build your flimsy barriers strong. Turn round and round, make warm your nest among the other hunting beasts. Keep heart and face, not to betray the doomed and splendid race you are so proud of, to which you belong. For trouble comes to all of us. The rat has courage in adversity to fight. But what a shining animal is man who knows when pain subsides that is not that for worse than that must follow yet can write music can laugh play tennis even plan <laughs> yes she she does what I call mourn the human race in many of her poems, but uh, I think most of all, she she uh, she worships she worships romance uh, is that line in the first sonnet I used uh, pity me not that a man's desire is hushed so soon she seems to be asking always for more more love uh, and then she has other thoughts she writes never never may the fruit be plucked from the bough and gathered into barrels he that would eat of love must eat it where it hangs though the branches bend like reeds though the ripe fruit splash in the grass or wrinkle on the tree he that would eat of love 
must bear away with him only what his belly can hold. Nothing in the apron, nothing in the pockets. Never, never may the fruit be gathered from the bough and harvested in barrels. The winter of love is a cellar of empty bins in an orchard, soft with rot. Some of the poems she wrote when she was younger are just songs, songs to existence, you know. A famous poem, Renaissance, she she says, Oh world, I cannot hold thee close enough. Right. She lies down on the grass and literally embraces the earth. Here's a here's a passage I, I have always loved, um, mainly because it's cheerful and it's for young lovers. She wrote, not in a silver casket, cool with pearls, or rich with red corundum, or with blue, locked and the key withheld, as other girls have given their loves. I give my love to you. Not in a lover's knot, not in a ring, worked in such fashion, and a legend plain, semper fidelis, where a secret spring kennels a drop of mischief for the brain. Love in the open hand, no thing but that, ungemmed, unhidden, wishing not to hurt, as one would bring you cowslips in a hat, swung from the hand, or apples in her skirt. I bring you calling out as children do, look what I have, and these are all for you. I remember writing a, a long, long uh, poem that I thought I thought was loving. I called it Apples in a Skirt. <laughs> it didn't work. He was unimpressed. Let's see. Let's see. I think I want to read you uh, this one because it's so... It's so curious. She uses old formal forms, and yet she talks about things that are quite modern, like, you know, cigarettes. She wrote, only until this cigarette is ended, a little moment at the end of all, while on the floor the quiet ashes fall, and in the firelight to a lance extended, Bizarrely with the jazzing music blended The broken shadow dances on the wall I will permit my memory to recall the vision of you By all my dreams attended Then adieu, farewell, the dream is done. Yours is a face of which I can forget the color and the features, every one, the words not ever, and the smiles not yet. But in your day, this moment is the sun 
upon a hill after the sun has set. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, dear, dear, dear. Mm-hmm. As Edna writes, you know, whether or not we find what we are seeking is idle, biologically speaking. Uh, oh, she has what I would call a, a terrific case of regret, but that's not that she she just regrets her loss. She does not regret the love. Ah, this is one of my favorite sonnets. Uh, Pity me not, because the light of day at close of day no longer walks the sky. Pity me not, for beauty is passed away from field and thicket as the year goes by. Pity me not the waning of the moon, nor that the ebbing tide goes out to sea, nor that a man's desire is hushed so soon, and you no longer look with love on me. This have I known always. Love is no more than the wide blossom which the wind assails, than the great tide that threads the shifting shore, strewing fresh wreckage gathered in the gales. Pity me, that the heart is slow to learn what the swift mind beholds at every turn. Ah, this one, once again, is a morning poem. It's from the collection Fatal Interview. Edna St. Vincent Millay writes, Night is my sister, and how deep in love, how drowned in love, and weedily washed ashore, there to be fretted by the drag and shove at the tide's edge I lie. These things and more Whose arm alone between me and the sand? Whose voice alone, whose pitiful breath brought near could thaw these nostrils and unlock this hand? She could advise you, should you care to hear. Small chance, however, in a storm so black, a man will leave his friendly fire and snug for a drowned woman's sake. Bring her back to drip and scatter shells upon the rug. No one but night, with tears on her dark face, watches beside me in this windy place. Ah, there's another one here that is almost, almost the same from the harp weaver, right? Uh Uh-huh. She writes, it's called Scrub. If I grow bitterly like a gnarled and stunted tree bearing harshly of my youth, 
puckered fruit that sears the mouth, if I make of my drawn boughs an inhospitable house out of which I never pry towards the water and the sky under which I stand and hide and hear the day go by outside. It is that a wind too strong bent my back when I was young. It is that I fear the rain, lest it blister me again. <laughs> In the poet and his book, I find several passages. Yes, I love these, these, um, what would you call it? Uh, uh, epigraphs? Uh-huh. Read me, do not let me die. Search the fading letters, finding steadfast in the broken binding all that once was I. Sieges. Romance, of course, leads always to death. Siege. This I do being mad. Gather baubles about me. Sit in a circle of toys. And all the time, death beating the door in. White jade and an orange pitcher, Hindu idol, Chinese god. Maybe next year when I'm richer, carved beads and a lotus pot. And all this time, death beating the door in. She has... Some things that remind me of Dorothy Parker. <laughs> I think Dorothy Parker said that she was always following behind Edna Millay in her little sneakers, yes. Uh-huh. She writes, after all, my earnest wild dear, my no longer cherished, need we say it was not love, just because it perished. <laughs> I have... Pages of her analects, I call them, yes. Uh, let me listen to wind in the ash. It sounds like surf on the shore. And there are lines from Conversation at Midnight in which uh, her friends sit around mourning the uh, the death of God. They say, if you uh, can't believe in God, might as well believe in communism. Uh, once again, she talks about the impressions, the impressions, the impact uh, of life. She writes, wine from these grapes I shall be treading surely morning and noon and night until I die. Stained with these grapes, I shall lie down to die. Oh, life goes on forever like the gnawing of a mouse, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, there's this little street, and this little house. Ah, <laughs> oh, loss again, loss. Small hands relinquish all, nothing the fist can hold. Not power, not love, not gold, but suffers from the cold and is about to fall. And yes, she 
Mm-hmm. She loves Keats. She writes, using some of his lines, she writes, This is why I sojourn here alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake and no birds sing. She writes of the uh, the age of man and the end, uh, well, she says, it is closing time in the gardens of the West. She says, we are like gardens looked at through an iron gate. Oh, so much more of Edna Bollet. I have to go back to, I have to go back to the poets. These are the times. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at the same time. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Eduardo Galliano is our world's most lovable revolutionary, says Naomi Klein. Most of us agree. We want to share a loving tribute to Eduardo, the great Uruguayan author of The Open Veins of Latin America, because his final book, Hunter of Stories, appears this November, a year and a half after Eduardo's death. KPFA has asked a few writers who love him to read his new stories to us and share their memories. Alice Walker, Al Young, Alejandro Murguia, and Aurora Levens Morales will do this on Sunday evening, November 19, 7.30 p.m. at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit has wheelchair access. Tickets are at brownpapertickets.com. Let your friends know. November 19th, Eduardo Galliano, Presente. <laughs> 